Hello, this is AJ Roberts, 15-year British Forces veteran, entrepreneur, high-performance coach and loving father and husband. This podcast is for the motivated, for the inspired, for those looking to level up their lives through fitness, nutrition and their mindset. Welcome to The Best Version of You. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of The Best Version of You. I'm your host, AJ Roberts, and today I'm extremely excited to uh, introduce you to a long-time friend of mine, Mr. Steve Arnold. All right, Steve? How you doing, mate? Yeah, good. Hello, everyone. Steve is a, a former staff sergeant of the Royal Engineers in the British Army, and unfortunately, he was badly injured as a result of uh, an IED explosion in Afghanistan in 2011. Since then, Steve has gone on to achieve numerous huge, huge accolades uh, within different disciplines of sport, um, which Steve will go on to tell you about later. Uh, so without further ado, I'll pass you over to uh, Mr. Steve Arnold. Steve, uh, would you mind telling the viewers and the listeners a, a little bit about yourself and how you unfortunately came around to uh, being injured uh, those years ago? So yeah, as you said, my name's Steve Arnold. Um... I joined the army straight from school, 16. Done uh, 16 years in the Royal Engineers. Uh, had the pleasure of meeting you in Osnabrück, mm. out in Germany. Been, I think, 2004, 2008 yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. That time. Yeah, so I've done 16 years in the British Army. Uh, I got injured. I was a Royal Engineers Search Advisor. Uh, and I got injured in Afghanistan in uh, 2011 while carrying out search operations. Um, so just to go back to that time and that period, um, just for sort of like the benefit of the viewers and the listeners, obviously when that tragic incident obviously first happened, can you um, remember much of that? Is there anything that you can sort of like take cast your mind back to how, how you initially were like, you know, obviously it was a horrendous dramatic time or was it a case of just like waking up in hospital like you know many of the guys that have happened to over the past? Yeah, so... Normal day in Afghan, uh, got called out for a search job, got in the back of a vehicle this time, went out to uh, uh, where the ID was, started the search operation as a normal day, normal job, done it plenty of times before that. Um, stood on the ID, um, we found two before, before that, we found one we called out for and then another one and I had to stand on the third one. Um, yeah, and for myself, I was awake for everything, through the whole thing. I actually tried to put my own tourniquets on my legs. <laughs> but then my uh, one of the lead searchers, a guy called Pirate, um, obviously brilliant military nickname, his last name's Morgan, so we obviously called him Pirate. Yeah. Um, yeah, he got to there. Actually, he's the one who patched me up. I was actually awake through the whole whole process. Oh, yeah. I remember it all. Uh, the only t- And I got put to sleep actually on a helicopter when the Merc came in. For your own good? For, for my own good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The doctor actually put me asleep on there. Uh, and there was actually a Channel 4 team on the helicopter filming oh, about the helicopter, so I have all the footage as well of me <laughs> getting patched up and put to sleep and all that actually on the helicopter so, itself. Involuntary in famous? Yep, involuntary <laughs> famous, yeah. Um, so, obviously uh, you recovered, you woke up what, back in the UK? Um, I actually... My first stop was in Camp Bastion. Okay. Because, you know, it can't just be easy for me. Yeah. There was a massive sandstorm. Oh. They couldn't take off and fly me back. Oh, man. So I had my first stop in Camp Bastion. 
Uh, actually woke up on the flight back home and then went to Birmingham Hospital like most things you guys do. Well, and um, casting your memory back to those early stages um, when, it, you know, things really kind of sunk in, can you sort of like, you know, explain how you felt in those early stages, you know, sort of looking ahead, obviously you appreciate that you're still alive, I guess, but just like, what, you, you know, were you like very much like, oh, what now? Yeah, the f first couple of weeks were definitely the toughest, you know, laying in that hospital bed, um, thinking your life's done, over, you know, how you're going to support your family, how you're going to, how your friends are going to be around you, what's your actual, like your mum and dad going to think, you know, as you know, as a military guy, every time you go away, you always promise everything's going to be fine and you'll come mm -hmm. back safe, you know, unfortunately, you know, I had a 16 year career, 16 years it was fine, but that one bad day, it all went wrong. Uh, but yeah, but that so the first couple of weeks were tough, you know. But then you get the support of all the other guys that have been injured before come up to see you. Um, there was, obviously, there was a lot of people getting injured, so there was a lot of guys in. It's actually just in the hospital, you know, seeing them two months down the line, three months down the line, we're actually up having a laugh, racing from their wheelchairs up and down the corridors, you know, and all that. And then you go to Headley Court, so the military rehab place. Mm -hmm. Uh, you go there and, you know, you're in like a little group, a surf bubble, and then they get to see people like walking on their legs, exactly the same injuries as you. People worse off than you getting on with life. And it's just that military mentality, that military banter that just gets you up and gets you focused on what you actually want to achieve and what your goals are for, you know, for the rest of your life, really. And when, oh, when it comes to goal setting then, um, around about that time, was you were you making yourself sort of like short-term goals, long-term goals? I, mean, I imagine your short-term one would have been, yeah, I want to get to where he's at now. Yeah, so I got injured quite early on in the tour, uh, so, and everyone was coming back in October. So my first actual goal, if you like, was to be up walking on some sort of prosthetic leg so I could go to the medal ceremony. Yeah, that was yeah. my first goal. And I think a lot of guys have that, you know. Sometimes it's not realistic. I had nearly five months to get ready because I got injured in the first month of the tour. So, yeah, I had five months almost to get ready to get on walking. So it was, it was quite a tough goal, but I'm happy to say I got there and made it and I yeah, did yeah. walk. I had to use crutches, but mm. I did actually walk. Yeah, I, uh, I remember seeing quite a lot of photos on social media and that was, uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing to see. Yeah. It was quite remarkable, actually. And then, um, obviously, that was your sort of main big goal, but in terms of, uh, say, fitness-wise and maybe going down the sport route, what, what sort of goals did you have at that time? Um, really? Not a lot really. Um, I knew I wouldn't be able to do like the normal stuff I've been doing, like football, cricket, yeah. rugby and all that sort of mm. stuff, you know, that early on, that early on, you know. Uh, and like most people do when they're in rehab, they eat loads, you know, they're on all sorts of drugs, you put on a lot of weight, you know, I think I got up to nearly 90 kilos, wow. you know, and then, yeah, so initially I wanted to do something just to get the weight off and get me fit. I had no intentions of trying to push myself in sport or anything like that. It was just initially to maybe get out on a bike and maybe cycle with my family or my mates. or mm. So that's how I actually got into my first sport I tried is, yeah, hand cycling. So that's how I got into it. Then. Yeah, and uh, just for the, the viewers at home and, and the listeners, um, can you just explain sort of, uh, sort of some of the achievements that you, uh, that you made you know, through hand cycling, um, maybe some of the events that you did? Yeah, so started hand cycling at Headley Court, probably end of 20, 
2012, no, at the end of 2011 actually, so the first year I was injured. And then, yeah, just got in there, got around Headley Court, going, there's a famous hill near there called Box Hill. People probably remember it from the, remember it from the 2012 Olympics. Mm. And the Ride London that they do, do every year, it's the really big hill. That's just four or five miles away, so you go out and try and get up that and then come back to Headley Court, you know. And I just got the bug for it, I loved it. Loved the freedom, loved the adrenaline, mm. you know, flying around there country lanes on a hand bike really close to the ground uh yeah since then i just started doing more and more cycling and then in the summer of 2012 i actually cycled across america with 700 seven and seven other wounded guys uh we've done from the east coast to the west coast wow that's some distance as well yeah it? over 3050 miles was that route 66 you went down almost route 66 yeah, yeah you don't quite follow it but it's almost you like shadow route 66 <laughs> But it's from the East Coast to the West Coast. Yeah, eight of us done that as a relay team in like seven days, seven hours or something like that. And that's, that again gave me another focus. I thought I'm getting, I'm quite good at this and I'm getting quite good at that cycling. So I started doing national racing and then I got sort of scouted by one of the para-British cycling coaches. Wow. And I've raced for British cycling for a couple of years, done various World Cup events. Um, the focus for that was actually to try and get to Tokyo uh, Summer Games coming up which is in 2020 yeah um, is that still a main focus? no because, uh, after the Summer Games of 2016 in Rio the male hand cycling programme got dropped oh, really? cycling so unfortunately I had to you know well had the bug there for cycling then so I had to find another sport um, but going back a couple of years 2014 I did uh, the Invictus Games uh, in London and also done the Invictus Games in 2017 uh, in Toronto and Canada with cycling. Yeah, and um, that's how I've seen obviously pictures with yourself and Prince Harry, who's sort of like one of the main sort of advocates for uh, the Invictus Games, isn't he? He's, um, yeah, he's the main man. He's, he's the main man, isn't he? He's, he's one who set it all up, yeah. And uh, yeah, I was fortunate enough to, after winning one of my gold medals out in in Toronto, I actually got to see him after and got a photo of him, so yeah. pretty happy with that. Yeah, yeah he seems like a, um, a really, really nice guy, uh, one of the lads, yeah. but again, he's got that military mentality, hasn't he? Exactly, yeah. When, um, the, when the cameras are off and he's just with the lads, yeah, he's, you know, he's Captain Wales, you know, yeah. he, all right, he's a prince and you respect him for that, but he just loves the banter like most, most military guys do. Loves a beer. Loves a beer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Obviously, the viewers at home and uh, listeners can't actually see, but we're actually sat inside Steve's like home gym. Um, it's actually quite remarkable. Uh, behind the camera, we've got um, signed shirts um, from t teams that he supports, like Manchester United, um, and he's got his GB cycling um, tops and that, and he's actually got his hand cycle bike uh, right by my feet. Uh, what I'll do is I'll get some photos on, uh, and I'll post them on social media so you can actually appreciate sort of what equipment that Steve uses. Uh, we've actually got a lot of his cardio equipment behind us. We've got his ski erg uh, and his uh, treadmill as well. It's actually a pretty pretty nifty place. And off camera, I was actually speaking to Steve about telling him how I want to set something like this up, just like this, in, uh, in my own house. So um, yeah, you have to see it for yourself. It's quite impressive. Um, so on that, Steve, if you wouldn't mind um, touching a bit on the, the skiing side of stuff. Um, like sort of where you're at now with that because obviously I've been trying to catch up with you to yeah. this podcast for yeah. you several been, yeah. well, a few months now and it's literally like sorry mate I'm in Canada I'm in Norway I'm here yeah 
Yeah, so I said that after Rio 2016 Summer Games, the cycling programme pretty much was diluted, just disappeared, which I'm really gutted about. You know, my goal was already always Tokyo in 2020. So yeah, it was a bit devastating and it took me, you know, I, came, I actually went to Rio to watch the guys cycle, even though I wasn't competing. Um, I was taken there by the team, uh, apparently the inspiration programme. But then I came home and it was all done. So November of 2016, I didn't have a sport anymore. You know, when I was, you know, just looking for a sport. Mm-hmm. So for a couple yeah. of months I went, you know, I thought I'd just enjoy myself. Went on holiday, drunk too much, ate too much. <laughs> you know, and I came back in January and a very good friend of mine said, why don't you try Nordic skiing? This Great Britain is starting up a Nordic ski team again, cross-country ski team which they hadn't had since 1998. So, a sport I'd never done before. I've alpine skied before, since I was injured and before I was injured, uh, but never done cross-country skiing or biathlon. So, yeah, something I really thought I could get stuck into. And with the endurance of the cycling, I thought that would be a good crossover. Mm. It was just the technique of learning how to move a sit-ski, you know, on two little tiny skis fixed to my frame and me sat in a carbon seat which is just here, you can't really see it too well, but it's just down here, set up on the ski yoga at the moment. Um, yeah, so since January 2017, I've been skiing and uh, at various World Cups. As you said, I'm never in the country from November <laughs> to pretty much February, into February, March time. Uh, yeah, just the last race we did was in Canada. Uh, I finished on the 26th of Feb this year. And it was the World Championships, so I managed to represent Great Britain at World Championships. Right, that's, uh, that's absolutely remarkable, as I'm sure that everyone will agree, especially um, representing your country in sort of two different disciplines. Um, at that sort of level, it's actually uh, pretty amazing. Um, obviously, like, you've achieved a hell of a lot since like, you've, you know, you've had your injury. Um, and with those type of injuries, you can always go sort of like one way or the other, can't you? you know, whether it's like limbs or spines or you know stuff like that. What would you say um, has been sort of really your biggest like internal challenges and your external challenges since sort of like from your Headley Court days onwards when you're going from your rehab and you know focusing on setting some goals and stuff like that? Yeah, I think a lot of it is you know the sport pretty much takes care of itself. You know. I, I would say sport's not my life, it's part of my life, you know, so I don't, I'm not just focused on 100%. On the early days, probably, I got that wrong slightly, it was all about the sport, and it did change my personality, and maybe someone I didn't like to be, mm. you know, so I had to step back, rethink, refocus, and now, yeah, like I said, it's not all about the sport, that's part of my life, um, which I absolutely love, and I've never changed that for the world. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the hard stuff about after you leave the military, you know, is like, I think a lot of people have done it, or like even if you're in, not injured, you know, you just don't know where your life's going to go, you know. Like, as I said, I've done 16 years, I wanted to do 22, uh, and then probably just get a job in Tesco's at 40, have all my limbs and just stack shells, but, you know. So, in a way, uh, getting injured has definitely set me on a new path and a new... Uh, direction in life uh, the hardships has been probably having the prosthetic legs you know I'm never every morning you know it's it's always a chore to put them on it's always a chore to you know go to the shops and do shopping you know 
you sort of like being an athlete, my weight fluctuated. I've yeah. just had two weeks off, you know, so I'm probably probably kilo heavier than kilo and a half heavier than I was two, three weeks ago already just by, you know, just relaxing, not training every day or twice a day. And, you know, so my sockets don't fit properly now, so then I have to go get them redone. So that's probably the hard things, you know, you know, the hard things and the stuff that's a pain yeah. about life. But, you know, looking back at it now, it sounds a bit silly because my life changed like in a second like that. But looking back at it, I've never had all these experiences I've ever had. Yeah. I've not stood on the IED. Yeah, yeah, know, of course. And I probably wouldn't go back and change it now. You know? mm. I'd love to have my legs back, don't get me wrong. Yeah, but I probably, yeah, yeah. probably wouldn't change the experiences I've had and where it's taken me. Yeah, and um, I had a very, very similar conversation with Mickey Yule, um, you know, obviously good friends with as well, and I've known for a number of years, um, and he, he said pretty much a lot of something along the same lines as he wouldn't have had the opportunities he's had, you know, representing Great Britain, powerlifting, and going to Olympics, all that kind of stuff, if yeah. he hadn't had the injury. Um, obviously, he was going to go back again, he'd tell, you know, tell himself to step right or step left. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because like, as from a soldier in point of view, like you just want to do that like one last tour because it almost felt like your if anything your army career is cut short yeah. like, above anything else. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, but that's just the mentality that you have though, aren't you? When you're at that sort of like level in your career, and you kind of bleed green, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like I volunteered to go and do search. You know? I didn't yeah. have to go. That. I didn't have to go on that tour. Yeah. I probably wouldn't even have gone to Afghan, which is probably took a couple of years later. Yeah. But you know, as you said, you just when you're in that moment and you, you know, I thought I was good at my job, so, you know, I, you know, wanted to do the next step, the next thing, you, as you said, you want to do every tour you can, you know, I was fortunate to be in the military when, when I joined in 1996 and got injured in 2011 and there was a lot of stuff happened. Yeah. You know, a lot of tours, and, mm. you know, Kosovo, Bosnia, Northern Ireland, yeah. you know, a lot of Iraqs, you know, Afghanistan, got to do a lot of stuff that you want to do when you're, that's the stuff you want to do. That's what you join the military for. So yeah, yeah, yeah I'm absolutely. very fortunate to do all that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, yeah, I speak to a lot of guys now, and it's there, there's obviously always that trend, um, the guys just want to go back and just do that, especially from that era. The a lot of guys, you know, would, if they went back in the army, they want to go back when Afghan was at its busiest. And yeah, absolutely. when you're actually. Uh, not in a, an aggressive way as it, you're just doing what you train to do as in being a soldier that's what yeah. you joined to do and 90% uh, of the time it's you know the guys believe in the same thing and it's all about making a difference yeah. whether that be to, for yourself and for the actual job you're doing because when you're in somewhere like Afghanistan or Kosovo stuff like that, you're making a difference for the people there uh, not, not as an aggressor and well, that's what the British Army has always been about hasn't it so yeah. um, it's you that's when you're at your best, isn't it? Like um, when you're in sort of places like that, absolutely, and doing your job, yeah. Um, especially when you're young, and then you've got you look at like your twenty year olds, twenty one year old mates who are maybe just cutting around labouring on a building site and sat there smoking joints at weekends and you know just not really doing anything with their life. And yeah, a lot of the time you're in the other side of the world. Sometimes it's not the best. You, know, you live in harsh conditions, but a lot most blokes or girls wouldn't change for the world, would they? No, it's like. The sport now, you know, yeah. I don't train 18, 20 hours a week, you know, sacrifice family barbecues, you know, going out with the mates to the pub, you know, just, you know, I have done the last couple of weeks, but, you know, well, you call in the takeaway because you can't be bothered to cook, you know, yeah. that's a lot, of, it sounds, 
oh, boo-hoo, and like, so what? But it's a lot of, you know, it does take a lot of dedication and sacrifice, yeah. and I don't do all that not to go and race, you know? Yeah, yeah, so it's the same as like being in the military. We didn't do all that training to not go away and do what you wanted to do. Yes, yeah, yeah. And the same as skiing, the same as when I was cycling. And then put all them hours in just to, mm. you know, I didn't build this gym and come in here at five, six in the morning because I've got a new baby daughter and I have to train before she wakes up and stuff, you know. Or late at night whenever you can get it in. You know, you don't do all that just to not go and race. You know? Yeah. It's the same. No. Same as any job, I suppose. Well, that, that obviously brings me on to like my next question would be uh, what, what has been up till now like your biggest motivation? Um, I think in the early days it was just I had to motivate myself a lot, you know, and I wanted to show my family and my friends, you know, my wife, you know, and more recently I want to show my new daughter, six yeah, months yeah. old, that, you know, life goes on. You know, you get some hard knocks sometimes, life is shit, but... You know, you can always bounce back. There's always a way out. Sometimes you can't see it and you need help to get that, but there is always a way out and to, you know, move forward. And I f So, yeah, big. that was the biggest motivation. I wanted to show my family and friends that I was actually... I am Steve. I'm the same Steve I was before I got injured and I'm actually all right now. You know, in the early days it was tough for them, it was tough for me, and I couldn't really see past that. But now, looking back, you know, seven years later can definitely see and you know I'm just you know no one treats me any different anymore so yeah, which, yeah. Is, which is where you want to be you know yeah. I want to just go even if I'm not in my legs and sometimes I have to get in my wheelchair I don't plan where we're going to see if it's disabled access or whatever I just get there and if it's <laughs> yeah. if it's not we'll just work it out somehow yeah, yeah, I might have to get carried up but yeah. you know yeah that's what I like about everyone now if I'm not Steve's got no legs I'm just Steve again which is yeah Brilliant, I think. No, no, no but uh, yeah, that that is that is awesome. And um, yeah, Mickey uh, was pretty much saying the same thing. There's that period where it's kind of like people looking at you because you're a young guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, with prosthetics on. Um, but now you know, it's, everyone else, Mickey, and same for yourself, which is uh, that's awesome. Um, so to that end, then, if you were to go back to sixteen-year-old Steve just joined the army. Yeah. Uh, what what advice would you have for him? In 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 the mindset you're in right now, the position you're in right now, knowing what life you've got, you know you've got a tremendous house and you've done had all these amazing achievements. Yeah, I think I just you know take every opportunity you can. Like I know it's like a cliche to say that, but yeah. honestly, you know I do believe that. You know, like I've had so many opportunities since I got injured, you know, some I haven't taken up and probably should have, you know, but the ones I've taken up have been like amazing. I've mm. met amazing people, gone to amazing places, you know. Uh, and probably before I was injured, again, I didn't take up all the opportunities that were given to me or put in front of me, even with the military, you know, even stupid things like going away venture training. Yeah. You know, you just think, oh, I can't bother to do that. You know, where else can you go, I don't know, climb Everest or the base camp for nothing, yeah. you know, or something, whatever like that. It's like opportunities. So I'd say, yeah, if I go back to 16-year-old Steve, I wouldn't change my life, you know. And as Mickey probably said, I'd probably just step right one meter instead of going left. Yeah. But yeah, on that day in Afghan. But apart from that, no, I wouldn't. And this, I don't really have any regrets, but if, it's not really a regret, but I just wish I could have finished that. 
22 years yeah. in the military. Yeah. That's probably it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, obviously it was cut short for you. So what advice, given your mentality now, which is obviously pretty rock solid, you've achieved this amazing stuff, you've got this awesome gym, you've got a beautiful house, beautiful family. Um, what sort of advice would you give to other people who are in a similar situation? I know the, the amputees and the severe you know, the injuries aren't as common, nowhere near the numbers that there was obviously during the Afghan, Afghan conflict, but yeah. we st you still have RTAs, accidents, you still have people's spinal injuries yeah, from sporting yeah. accidents, elevated training accidents. Like, What advice would you give to somebody who's going through that sort of rehab process knowing that there is light at the head, head at the end of the tunnel yeah I think as we spoke about earlier just I think the first thing to do is set realistic goals you know um, and just go one day at a time get through it you know it's I was quite lucky not everyone has the family support I did the friend support I yeah. did you know I was very lucky in that I was very lucky that I didn't have any mental health problems or flashbacks or anything like that um well, after, after my injury, you know, so for me it was all, fa sounds silly, but fairly simple. It's all rolled in and luckily I've come out the other end really good. I know it's not the same for everyone, but I think you just take one step at a time and, you know, there's a great support that's out there, whether you're civilian or military, you know, obviously the military side, we get a lot of help with charities like Blair's Mental Health yeah. Heroes and everyone else like that and all the mental health charities that are coming out now. And I know, like civilians probably have to go to the mental health and uh, through NHS and stuff like yeah. that. Oh, and yeah, we're on the NHS now, which you know is a lot better than what it was when we first started. But I think yeah, you just need to take it one day at a time, set your goals, and but make them realistic. You know, I never thought I'd go represent Great Britain at hand cycling. I never thought I'd represent Great Britain at skiing. You know, I just I just did. It's been hard work and dedication on my side. You know, and I was lucky enough, but not everyone can become a Paralympic athlete. I'm not a Paralympian yet. I've never been to a Paralympic Games and competed, but that's my goal for Beijing in 2022. So, yeah, and that's a goal. I can see it, and it's realistic for me now because I can see I can get there. You know, I've raced the best in the world. I've, they're not a million miles ahead of me. You know, my age yeah. is, you know, nearly 40 now, so <laughs> I'm running out of time in age-wise doing sport. But, you know, I've got Beijing, and maybe I've got another one in me after that, but... Yeah, I think you just gotta have that family support, that base or a group of friends and you know, and same if you're not injured or you know, you just need to get people around you can trust and you believe in and they believe in you. And yeah. I think if you get that good base support then I think it, it comes down to a few key things and I've touched on it in other podcasts, um, where I've just done myself or with guests, um, like Spencer uh, a couple of weeks ago, is that from early early days, you need to be surrounded with positivity. Don't you? you need Absolutely, to have that. Yeah. You need to have that positive group and constantly say all the time. Whether it be social media, podcast, you're the you are the sum of the sort of group of five or six people that you spend the most time with. So if you're if you've only got negative people in your life, you're only going to knock you down. You need to retract away from them people like as soon as possible. Get around that positive, the positive mindset. That positive group of people are only going to lift you up and in the long term help you win. Yeah, absolutely. It's not you being an ass, you know. It's you getting on with your own life. Yeah. And I mean, no one's going to help you. Mm. You know, if you're an ass, no one's going to help you. Yeah. If you're a good, positive person, a lot more people will help you. And yes. Yeah. 100% guaranteed yeah. that will happen.
yeah, no, that's um, that's extremely important. Um, some of that we see see daily. Um, I think you, you did touch on it there, Steve. Um, what would you say uh, is your sort of what short term future have you got in store for yourself? Yeah, so short term future. So this just finished the winter season, so it's back in the start again first of April. Starting to training, so yeah. just getting through the summer, uh, injury free. Uh, may have another operation um, to do, so if I get that, then it will be coming back from that. But I'm still waiting for a date for that to see if that's going to happen. Um, but then it's back into winter, so the winter racing starts again November, December time. And it's this year, well, this 1920 season is the first time we can start scoring points for Beijing in 2022. So that's the short-term goal, and obviously the long-term goal is... March 2022, yeah, yeah. be on that start line in Beijing yeah. 2022. And it's not just about becoming a Paralympian and getting the track suit, you know, it's about you know representing my country at the highest level I can as a sportsman. Mm. And, you know, and I want to be known as a sportsman and now and I don't really want to be known anymore as an injured military veteran. Well, I think as well what you're already doing, which is like a, a real key skill that um, anybody anybody can have is you're using a lot of visualization techniques so you're, you're visualizing yourself representing your country in 2022 and it's uh, it's a great thing to be able to do uh, and to apply to like any sport or discipline is using those visualization techniques um, I know there's a lot of like football players that do it they visualize themselves scoring a goal or making a pass golfers do it they visualize themselves making that long putt yeah. and you're doing exactly the same thing you're visualizing yourself standing there hopefully podium in in Beijing and and it's not it's not actually that far away is it if no you, it's not no it's you know it's three years mm. three years of hard work you know and if you break it down to seasons yeah probably for us 17 races yeah before the Paralympic Games yeah, if that many that's actually not that much it's not that many. a lot of hard work but yeah. it's yeah there's a lot of hours and a lot of hard work mm. but yeah, 17 races before, probably, hopefully, the biggest event in my life. Wow. Apart from the baby, obviously. But yeah. Yeah, I better say that for the wife. Yeah, keep that yeah, yeah. for camera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, for the people at home uh, and for the listeners, um, where, where will people be able to find you on social media so they can follow your progress? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter. I can't remember my Twitter name. <laughs> But Steve Arnold, I think Steve Arnold three eight one on Twitter, uh, on Instagram it's Steve Arnold seventy nine. Okay. Instagram. So um, follow me. Yep. Happy. I, I will be posting on the show notes as well. Um. So for those of you guys who are on iTunes, Spotify, and um, and Google Podcasts, I'll be sticking all the show notes and that all Steve's tags and that. So please, guys, be sure to follow him, support him. You know he's got like he was saying. 2022 is only around the corner, and that's a, that's a lot of cheers he could be getting along the way. Really, so, yeah. obviously, the, the more support, I'm sure the great old Steve will do. It'll push me on as well. More people behind me, it'll definitely push me on to make that, make that start line in 2022. Okay, well, Steve, it's, uh, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to enjoy your hospitality in your house and your homemade gym. Um, it's absolutely amazing what you've done. I absolutely love it. Um, to see like where you've come from, from learning about when you got injured all those years ago, um, to now sitting in your your own home, in your own gym, with a 
potential Paralympic medalist. Um, be nice. With a chap who's representing his country in two different disciplines, you know, for me it's an absolute honour, and I'm really glad I finally tied you down to uh, come come on the podcast and come on the show. I can actually make it happen. So uh, I just want to thank you very very much, mate. Great to have you here. So guys, there you have it. Uh, another fantastic and inspiring episode, I'm sure you'll all agree. Um, you can clearly see the level of trauma that Steve's come from to the high level of high performance that he's now achieving, representing his country, country in different disciplines, skiing, cycling, and he's got lots of short uh, and long-term goals that he's now set himself going on to Beijing 2022. So I'm sure you all will agree that Steve to get from where he has come to where he is now is just an unbelievable achievement. And I hope that every single person I've been listening or watching has taken something inspiring away from this episode that you can use in your own life to propel yourself into becoming a better person. Okay, And if you apply all those little disciplines that Steve has done, I'm sure that every single one of you can become the best version of you.